United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining us now is Tamana Salakadine, the director of the South Asia programs at the United States Institute of Peace, where she oversees their work in Pakistan and broader South Asia. She joins us now. Tamana, welcome and good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good to be with you. Thank you. I'm glad that you're here. Bring us up to speed. We've been focused so much here on what's going on on Capitol Hill as a nation. And of course, we've been looking to foreign policy as it relates to Ukraine and Israel, but we have not. Um, the news cycle is not broadened to be far more inclusive. And there are so many things happening, particularly in the area that you focus primarily on. Bring us a little bit up to speed on, on what's happening now with the, um, the Pakistani elections. Yeah, it's, uh, well, we're paying attention to other things. This is the year of elections. More than half the world is going to the polls, including the United States. Pakistan had its general elections last Thursday. And, you know, most observers before the election thought these would be largely pro forma with uh, a party that would come into power that was sort of blessed by the military establishment. And yet there have been very surprising results in last Thursday's elections. Actually, the Election Commission just finally announced uh, the final results yesterday. And, um, you know, independent candidates have won the largest number of seats in the National Assembly. And those independent candidates are actually largely aligned with the former Prime Minister Imran Khan. So Pakistan has really been in political confusion, uncertainty since the ouster of Prime Minister Imran Khan in April 2022 um, through a vote of no confidence. And since then, Imran Khan has faced a series of court cases uh, for which he's been in jail. He just got convictions in three of them. And also even his party symbol, the cricket bat, as he's a famous cricketer, uh, was uh, barred from being part of the election. So most people thought all of these obstacles would lead people not to vote for Imran Khan and that other parties, namely the former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif, would win the vast majority of the seats. Um, in what is a very surprising result, the Pakistani people have come out, shown, I think, their faith in democracy and voted for these independent candidates aligned with Imran Khan. And so instead of sort of an end to the un political uncertainty in Pakistan, you have more political uncertainty. Uh, Imran Khan's party is claiming that there's vote rigging. Uh, they are vowing to take to the streets and protest. Um, but it looks like there probably will be former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif's party, which won the second number of seats, and then other parties would form some sort of coalition government in Pakistan. All of this doesn't necessarily bode well for stability in that country. And with respect to Imran Khan, I mean, he had been found guilty in several cases, right, um, prior to the election, could not contest the elections. Is that um, is that because he is currently imprisoned? Is it because of the, of the policies yes. that he cannot? Okay. Explain a little bit more, because obviously here He's in the United States, jail. we're looking ahead. <laughs> we're, we're look, oh, in, yeah. in the U.S., as you know, we're, we're looking at the impact of a legal case on one's candidacy. It's very different there, but there are some similarities. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's been in jail for several months, but just recently he's been found guilty in three major cases. 
He has, you know, his sentence, he's appealing all of these sentences, of course, but his sentencing is over 30 years in prison. So currently he, you know, is in prison and not allowed to um, contest in elections, but that didn't stop uh, people aligned with him to run as independents and and win, uh, especially in Khyber uh, Pakhtunkhwa, that's his home province, and then also in parts of Punjab, the biggest province in Pakistan. So it's a really surprising uh, result. I think from the United States perspective, it is it's a tough place to be in. We and I think other countries who are who are looking for stability in Pakistan were hoping that this election would lead to a mandate that would allow some modicum of stability and allow Pakistani policymakers to really focus on their crises of economy. They have a near failing economy. They need to get a new IMF program by the spring and then security. They've had a, a sharp rise in terrorism. Uh, since the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, they have the Pakistani Taliban, which continues to attack across the country. And so, but the political drama is such that they really can't focus on any of those very hard issues. And in terms of the f- fraud claims and election integrity related issues, I know there was mobile cell service. The internet was shut down as well due to security current concerns on the day of the election. Is that right? Yes. So people weren't able to, you know, poll workers can't find out where the polling place is. People can't check their phones, you know, and and now it's digital age. Everybody uses their mobile phones Uh, and cell service and Internet on phones was shut down. And yet the voter turnout was pretty good, actually. Uh, So people defied the odds uh, and came out and voted, um, you know, in large numbers. Well, given this focus, as you say, I mean, just hearing the domestic political issues and the domestic politics, I mean, what attention can be given to, as you've written before, about the twin crises facing Pakistan, like the economy, perhaps a rise in terrorism? How does one focus on either of those extraordinarily important things? I I think it it proves very difficult. This political crisis has been all-consuming, and so you have every stripe of policymaker, whether you talk about military, bureaucracy, civilian politicians, they're really just focused on the day-to-day politics, right? And now they're going to be appealing. There's going to be a lot of cases. uh, There's going to be protests. So there isn't a lot of policy space to focus on terrorism or the economy. But moreover, both terrorism and the economy need really hard choices. On the economic side, they need real strict reforms. There's going to be economic pain to solve the problems. Um, And you can't really do that unless you have a political mandate, unless you have the buy-in of the populace. And no leader right now, uh, perhaps Imran Khan because he's in jail, but no leader or any institution has that buy-in of the Pakistani people to do what is needed to fix their economy and to address the terrorism crisis. So important to hear this. I wonder what, what impact or influence the United States is having on any of this. Are we, is our government at all involved in trying to oversee or monitor these elections and beyond? Uh, I mean, look, the, the State Department has come out with statements. I think a lot of leaders on Capitol Hill have tweeted out concerns about the elections. But I think the the U.S. has been burned. Uh, you know, we were, I think, in a conspiracy theory, falsely implicated of being involved in the plot to oust Imran Khan. And so the U.S. is very wary of getting involved in this election on either side uh, you know, we want there to be elections. We want there to be democracy. We want 
a elected government to go forward and deal with the problems in Pakistan. But I think the U.S. fingerprints will just make this messier, not better. And so the U.S. is maybe a little bit standing at a distance. Uh, maybe that that's not what Pakistani people want. They want them the U.S. to come in and intercede on their behalf. But because there is no one clear path forward, I think U.S. policymakers may be a little bit loath to get involved directly in this. Really, really important to hear all of this and you've had to um, and, and help us rake through. I appreciate it so much getting us up to speed. Tamana Sakadin, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.